All right. Welcome back, Stronger Universe. We have a very special guest and someone that I am a big, big fan of because she helps so many people do something that I think a little bit more Stronger You members should get into, which is lots and lots of movement, lots of endurance stuff. This is the Stronger You Radio with Mike Dola, where nutrition is fun, diet trends are overrated, and we'll help you take the guesswork out of eating healthy. Join us today with Mike Dola, the Stronger You coaches and friends, as they discuss what it takes to be a stronger you today. Are you ready? Let's get going. So Karen Blankenship, please say hello and give us a little intro. Hello, everybody. This is Karen Blankenship. Um, I am a Stronger You coach uh, and also a running coach. I live in the fantastic Pacific Northwest, and it's actually up in Seattle. It's actually cloudy today, so it's living up to its mantra. And I have to do a four miler today, so gonna have to pull out a little bit of rain gear today. And you know, but you just get used to getting wet when you run up here. And I have been with Stronger You for oh my god, I'm coming up on my no, I just passed my one year anniversary being with Stronger, being with you guys. And, but I was a running coach before that, as well as a nutrition coach before that. And then I finally decided to give up, I believe it, as you said, once the rat race of sitting at a desk behind a desk, adhered to somebody else's schedule and decided just to dive in full time, helping people achieve incredible things, which just, you know, you and I were just talking about somebody who I worked with for a long, long time, and she just ran the Boston Marathon. And, you know, she's talk about changing your life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. yeah. You know me, I'm very passionate about helping people get out of jobs, maybe they didn't love, or maybe that, you know, this is the job that they're going to love even more. So, you know, being able to do it myself and now being able to multiply that by like 90 is, is mm-hmm. pretty damn cool. Hopefully mm-hmm. one day a thousand. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. And you, so you started as a member, right? Can you I did start as a member. Yeah. So in, that. yeah, 2018, I had a friend who was a member and she was just crushing it. And I decided, okay, I, I'm going to try this. And, you know, I had never, I'd always been a sport person. I was always they jokingly called me sporty spice at work. And, you know, I was always out there doing stuff, um, running marathons and stuff. I had never really focused on my nutrition at all. And so when I joined Stronger You, uh, I'm a mom, I have two kids, they're older now, but I was your classic pre-menopausal, perimenopausal, 40 how old am I now? 52. Uh, yeah. So, you know, 48, 49 year old woman who was sporty, but I knew I could do something a little bit different. So I joined and I worked with one of the OG coaches, Alicia started with her and I lost the weight very rapidly. And suddenly I was like, Oh, wow. I run a lot better, you know, because <laughs> running was my main sport at that time. It, I was a member for, Hmm, I want to say a year and then I took a break and then I came back with Jeb and dialed in my nutrition again. And it was at that point, actually, I guess it was the first round that I was like, I need to know more about this because yeah. I'm just kind of a geeky science nerdy kind of person to begin with. And I was like, what's going on? What's the magic here? Where's the magic? Cause I was convinced that, you know, just like most people it's magic, but 
causes you to lose weight. So I started diving in and I took the precision nutrition course. And I think it was at that point, actually, you I reached out to you and you said, take precision nutrition, get your PN one level, and then we'll chat. And so I did. And as soon as I finished, I pinged you again. And I was like, okay, I remember. And you know, it, it was the community, it was the Facebook community that I, I think I said to you, I need a piece of that, whatever it is, there's, that's where the magic is the community. So I just kept pursuing and basically stalked you and was like, okay, so, so when's Do you it remember happen? the time where you showed up, it was like 3am ringing my doorbell. Asking for <laughs> <a bell. laughs> Not, you know, I have some, hello, Mike. I, I've gotten cakes sent to my I'm, house. I've had fun little letters and I'm not like, I'm not going to lie because the, the old career I had was banking and then HR. And those things help people stand out. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying this just so people send me more cookies and cakes, but I think it's interesting in like corporate America, how everyone is so kind of scared to do everything other than just send a resume. But yeah. for me, that stands out. I love it. I think it's yeah. awesome that, you know, people that are interested pursue conversations with me and ask me what to do and how to do it. And maybe eventually they'll be on the team. And I yeah. think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I, I remember emailing you must've been summer 2020. You had posted the Facebook stream of all of the people, all the new people. And I think I emailed you at that point. And I said, Mike, that's a lot of people. When are you going to start hiring coaches again? Yeah. Nudge, nudge. Here's my resume. Yeah. Um, and you were like, you're on my list. Don't worry. So there's, it's, we, it's, it's interesting. Cause we do have quite an extensive list of like what I would call people in the bullpen right uh-huh. now. Um, so members, uh, what you need to do for us to give more people cool jobs is send all your friends here so we can coach them. And yeah. these coaches in the bullpen can can come up to the big leagues. Yeah. And I actually coached somebody who um, I was like, you know what? I want to pursue more. So she got her precision nutrition. She just hung her shingle out. And I'm just like, this is amazing that not just affecting people's physical selves, but their mental, emotional selves as well, without even realizing it. I mean, the the impact of being able to work with a company on my personal through, you know, through the hardest times our generations have ever seen. um, My, my mental health has never been better. So I love it. It's so like, exciting. you know, not to make the, the endurance chat with Karen about nutrition coaching, but it, it is the coolest job. I think yeah. it's the, the most awesome thing in the world. And it's funny because when I used to coach a bunch of people and then I went to just being like, you know, the, the corporate guy um, that started the business, it was like, oh, I don't I don't have that same feeling with each individual mm-hmm. because I'm not the one that's coaching them but it gets multiplied when I see what you all do for everyone. So it's, it's so damn cool. I think it's, it's just so rewarding. So I'm glad you're with us. Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad I'm here too, but let's talk about Mike doing a triathlon. Oh, 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 okay. So you're going to, okay. I would, I told you I would. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) Thanks to, so this, this actually segues really nicely into talking about endurance and endurance sport and how do we fuel for it and things like that. Billy Phipps, his wife, Vanessa just finished the half Ironman in 
somewhere down south. It was in America. It was in America. I think it was, I think it might have been Tennessee, maybe. I don't know. He reached out to me. Apparently, she put the pressure on him. And I think he got a little, um, and this happens, actually. If you go to an endurance sport and you see the finish line, there is, oh, you will walk away from that going, I can do anything. I really can do anything. And so I think Billy got a little inkling of that. And he has decided, he reached out to me and said, so I'm thinking about Billy, I'm calling you out. I'm putting it out here for the whole world. He said, I'm thinking about doing half Ironman. Would you coach me for nutrition? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Which one are you thinking about doing? And he told me and we got to talking and somehow I, there was pressure on me to do one. And I was like, "Uh, there's a part of me that enjoys it. There's definitely a part of me that enjoys the training cycle and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, okay. So then we started talking about which one, and that is about the same time they were talking September, and that's about the same time that my son is going to be going off to college. So I was like, yes, I am that old coach. I'm the one that has a 22-year-old daughter in France right now, and I have an 18-year-old son who's about to go to uh, So I think, like, like you joke about it, I think it's such a valuable thing for our membership because there are so many people that don't, they don't think they can do what you did. And that is like, it breaks my heart. And I often like, I joke about it because I get like, I get people that are like, oh, you're just, you're a younger male. You don't get it. And you're right. There's things I can never, ever, ever relate to. But one thing I am sure of is people like you can do awesome shit no matter what age they are. Yeah. Yeah. You can do anything you put your mind to really, unless that physician has said to you, you should not do X, Y, and Z physically, you can do anything. So needless to say, the conversation finally ended up with September 22, Ironman, half Ironman, Maple Valley, Washington. Mm. That's what we're going to do. And then we, we need to get a crew. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, the, watch and I'll, I'll support and make signs. The planning is already in the works awesome. because Sadan's like, on board now. That's that community thing. I, I love yes. it. And that's the thing that people don't really know about Stronger You until they get in the inner circle and they're like, you know, the members come in the community. They're like, whoa, this is really cool. Yeah. No one here is mean. Everyone's nice and helpful. And we definitely yeah. make like this nutrition stuff fun. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, I spend a lot of my time there. So, you know, right now I am fully on running. I'm doing the New York City Marathon uh, in a couple weeks on November 7th. So my fueling and endurance is all dedicated to that right now. But after that, you know, I get a lot of people asking me, you know, how do you fuel for that? How do you, things like that. After the New York City Marathon, I will back way down on my training, obviously, I because I won't, I'll, I have several half marathons in the spring, but I won't be putting in, you know, like this past weekend, I ran 23 miles this past weekend. I won't have weekends like that anymore for a long time. And then I will focus on weight loss at that point. I'm going to really dial in my nutrition and really, because I can. So when you are doing endurance sport, one of the things that people, you can lose weight while you are training for a marathon. So what happens actually, a lot of people talk about marathon weight gain. So what happens when we are training our caloric burn goes way up and the body wants homeostasis at all times. I've said this to my members so many times. Yeah, It does not not want to think it's dying. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Whoa, what is happening here? We need more (laughs) calories. And so our ghrelin production ghrelin is our hunger hormone. It gets upregulated without us even being aware of it. And this is basically like a reminder. That's like this inherent reminder for a human being to eat. 
food. Exactly. And it's, and it's, it's sort of, you know, the begin. it is the beginning basis of the whole intuitive eating concept because you're burning more calories. Therefore you need more calories. And the intuitive eating is you eat what you need when you need it in the amounts that you need it. Based on those cues. Right? Based upon those cues. And that is a great idea in theory. If yeah. our environment was set up to better support that, that's a great, but the problem is, is our environment is not set up to support that. So even though my ghrelin production goes up and I start eating more, my portion sizes are not, you know, the, it, the American portion sizes are known to be big. Our foods are hypercaloric, hyperpalatable, all of these things. And so you can actually put on weight while you are training for a marathon because you just are eating a little bit more than you expect. I've heard people talk about this all the time, marathon weight gain. Fact, we do see it a lot. We have quite a few endurance athletes on the program that will tell us, hey, when I upped my mileage or I started training, I ate a little bit more food or a lot of bit more food and I gained weight. And they yeah. actually could become a worse runner because they're carrying extra weight. Yeah, there is a fine line in there. And I, uh, there is definitely a fine line because, you know, a lot of people want to know, well, what's my ideal race weight? And ideal race weight is the weight at which you perform the best. It may or may not be a number on a scale that is, you know, ideal B, like my BMI says that I'm overweight. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a decent, like, catch all, but it doesn't really answer the BMI question. Exactly. It frames the question and frames the conversation. However, it's not the end all be all. So when I trained for Ironman, actually, I lost a whole bunch of weight initially. And then I got too low. My weight actually got too low and my performance tanked. Mm. I was just not fueling appropriately. And I was like, how is this possible? I felt like I was, I, the joke at the time was I was either working or training. I was either working, training or eating. I was either working, training, eating, or sleeping. I mean, I was working out 40 hours, you know, I was working 40 hours a week and then training 20 hours a week. I had no time to do anything. And so, except for eat and sleep. So I got down pretty low, but I just felt shitty. My coach at the time, my triathlon coach was like, let's put on a little bit more weight and bring mm -hmm. your weight up. And suddenly I was like, oh, there it is. Okay. So there is, just because it, the number was higher on the scale did not mean that I was performing poorly. Right. It just was, it was the original number, the too low number was just too low. My body just couldn't function at that low number. So, so I'm going to focus on some weight loss. I'm working with a coach. I'm working with Nick right now. His personality very much jibes with mine. And I'm going to really try and drop some weight after the marathon. And then starting in about January or February is when I, my training is going to start to ramp again. I have half marathons in there, but I also need to get back on my bike. I need to get back in the pool and do all of these things. And so my goal is, is to maintain my weight during my training this time not lose because I will have done that before my training starts. And because there's optimal times when you're doing endurance, there's optimal times to lose weight. You can lose weight. And I'm working with many people right now who are training endurance. How do you and losing find weight. that balance for someone? Cause that's something that I've, I've seen come up quite a few from endurance athletes. They're like, I think I need to lose like 20 pounds, but I also don't want to under fuel. So is there like that happy medium? Is it yes. you know, periodization where you do one, then you do the other? So yeah, there's a little bit of periodization with the fueling. I, you know, I don't refer to food as fuel. I, I don't, yeah. I'm not a fan of it's that a lot concept. more than that, right? It's so <laughs> much more than that. Um, but when I am looking at somebody in the eye and I'm saying, okay, Mike, you've just agreed to do the half Ironman with us next September 
That's a head yes. For, oh, people resplendently, he's nodding his head yes for us. Yes, very enthusiastic. You mean right before my 40th birthday? (gasps) Bucket list. Bucket list. Listen, I'm not going to commit right now. I'm not going to turn it out, but. Okay, uh, fair enough. Anyway, so crazy the the amount of mileage. It would be really cool, but it's very. I can't make any promises. Yeah. (laughs) So, but when I'm looking at somebody, let's say you did agree to it, and I'm looking at somebody, and I'm saying, okay, generally speaking, food is not fuel. But when I am telling you, you need to eat this much at this time during your run. We're talking fuel. This is pure fuel at this point. So. Many people will have, when we go out and we run, and generally speaking, it's about 90 minutes. Most people, 90 minutes, you know, they've done all these aggregated studies and all this aggregated data stuff, metadata stuff. What they found is that the average person on the bell curve, 90 minutes is sort of when your body has depleted the majority of the easily accessible glycogen, which is what fuels our Krebs cycle, going way back to biology there. Fuels our energy cycle. The body has depleted the majority of the easily accessible uh, glycogen. So at starting at about 90 minutes, we need to start thinking about fueling strategies. So if somebody's doing a 90 minute run, I will say at the halfway point, I want you to take in some carbohydrates. Mm. So then the question becomes how much? Generally speaking, it's about 45 grams for every 90 minutes. And that all um, depends on like size of the person, intensity. Yeah. So it's like, and that's the thing that's so hard for us, I think, is like a, a lot of people ask, they're like, just tell me what to do. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, we can't, we have to ask lots of questions to determine we, what you should do. And I do start people at yeah. the average. I, yeah. I will readily admit, I will start most everybody at that average, 90 minutes, 45 grams of carbohydrates. You need the baseline, right? Yeah. It's, it's just like macronutrient totals for someone. It's like, all right, let's start here and see what happens. Exactly. And then there is a little bit of, you know, okay, I think we might be underfueling you. I meant for those of you who can't see me, because you can't, because this is a podcast. I'm like <laughs> moving my thumb, kind of going, okay, I think we're underfueling based on what you're telling me. Based on, yep. You know, and people and have to be giving good me a- feedback for you coaches is so helpful. It's not just the, the quantitative, it's the qualitative, like have the conversation and share the, the feelings. Yeah. And, and I look heavy at the energy levels that people Mm -hmm. are reporting and their hunger levels, because I do not want to deplete your energy nor make you hangry, not my goal. And so we start there, but then we go up or down based upon the kind of feedback that I'm getting. And generally speaking, for most people, it's carbohydrates that we are pushing because uh, when you are doing endurance sports, um, your body kind of starts to shut down unessential systems at that time. Right. So this is where the GI stuff happens, where people will talk about GI gut and things like that during endurance training. And two things can happen. Fortunately, I'm in the the first group, which is where your GI system just kind of shuts down a little bit. And so you you can't eat like proteins and fats. You really need to stick with carbs. It's just a lot harder for your stomach to digest. And sometimes like a lot of uh, when you're participating in endurance sports and you're swinging your arms and legs, the blood leaves the GI and goes to the appendages. Yep. That's exactly what happens. And so your system sort of shuts down and it doesn't quite digest quite as easily. So we go with carbohydrates, which are the easiest ones to break down. Um, You can have the converse happen where it's called GI dumping. And Mm. it is exactly what it sounds like. 
where so you're- It doesn't sound fun while you're running a race. <laughs> and it's not, I can tell you from experience. Yep, yep. There have been a couple runs, I, I, there have been a couple runs where I've been like, oh, okay. Uh, so okay. there's a market for fitness diapers. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, GI dumping is exactly what it sounds like, yeah. where whatever you whatever you've eaten, the system is saying, uh, no, everybody out. Right. Um, and it literally dumps out. And so fortunately, when that happens, we do have to really tweak. And oftentimes that is happening because of the artificial sugars or uh, the ingredients of a gel or something that somebody is eating. So there's a lot. I mean, there's, God, I can't even, there's so many different types of endurance gels and chews and all these you're probably going to bring this up but it's it's interesting because this is why i'm so big on asking or or the advice given is always based around who the eater is so like the general fat loss person like a artificial sweetener to save 100 grams of carbs that might be a cool idea someone that needs literal fuel who wants to avoid sugar may do themselves a disservice because sugar digest quickly and it yep. fuels and it's, yep. and that's why I get so excitable about when someone just blanket statement says sugar is bad. Well, no, mm -hmm. in athletics, sugar is great. Yeah. Carbohydrates are our friends Yeah, when we're talking sport, particularly endurance sport. Um, <laughs> you can be uh, fat adapted. I, it can happen. However, what they have found is that you don't have the kick at the end you just, your body, I mean, carbohydrates are what allow us to have that fast switch. It's a, so more, efficient, like, uh, it's a more efficient fuel source. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if there's a hill, you're going to be a little sloggy up the hill. If you're fat adapted, you're going to not have a kick at the end, things like that. Um, but we start with 45 grams of carbohydrates for every 90 minutes. And then we adjust from there. Some people who are doing ultras. So, you know, I'm crazy. Those people are crazy. I Ultra didn't know running. You were crazy. Oh, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I definitely got, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, my kids call me crazy for sure. Uh, people who run ultras, actually, we do fuel in a little bit of protein and uh, fats for them, just a little yeah, those bit. Are, those are super high demand. Like yeah. we're talking 50, 100 mile. Bounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and the longest I've ever run is a, is a marathon. So I, I have done an Ironman. And so I know what a full day event is like, and I know the fueling for that. And I did on my Ironman, I did eat fats and proteins as well as carbohydrates. I, mm -hmm. I discovered the joy of, um, peanut butter, Nutella waffle sandwiches. They and, sound pretty damn delicious. Oh, they were so good. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people want to talk about, well, I, my watch is telling me I burned so many calories, therefore I need to replenish so many calories. And uh, while it's a good conversation to have, particularly if you're doing endurance sport, it's not super, super accurate, but at least it's a starting point. So like with yeah. my watch that I had, I knew it was telling me I was burning so many calories about you know, so many calories for a certain amount on the bike. So I knew roughly how much I needed to be taking in on the bike for, because I knew that I can't, I'm only good for gels while I run because I can't chew and run. I mm -hmm. choke. You want to get it in quick. 
I, yeah, I get it in quick and then I take water with it um, or whatever I'm drinking. And then I'm obviously not going to fuel for the swim. So cycling is when the opportunity is, is to get all that fuel in to really mm. get a huge amount. So I was able to process, I trained my gut and there is a training of your gut component that oh, goes along. Say, uh, never introduce something new in a situation <sighs> like this. I uh, never you're not really sure how you might react. Exactly. Uh, you basically want to, the beginning of your training is when you want to be figuring out what works well for you. And like we were just talking about, everybody's a little bit different. I happen to like this particular gel It's hammer vanilla gel. It works great on my stomach. I don't have any problems with it. It's great. I'm also a Gatorade fan. I go mm. old school, just straight, straight up sugar, you know, mm. but it works really sugar and salts basically, but it works really well for my electrolyte replacement. I tried things like artificially sweetened electrolyte replacement stuff and it destroyed my gut. Bubble guts. Yeah. I, oh. I like that a little bit with certain things like quest bars really like it's not worth the 20 something grams of protein for me. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I <laughs> yeah, for me, it was the electrolytes. And my gut just was like, uh-uh, you cannot have synthetic sweeteners in my stomach. Just do not, particularly yeah. when I'm doing sport, it just doesn't work. I discovered that about, um, uh, there was a bar that I was eating, oh, and they're really popular bars. And when I was cycling, when I was racing bikes, so I do have a, a sport background. I grew up swimming competitively, which gave me you know, a good advantage in the water. And then when I moved to Seattle, met my husband, we started cycling and we start, ended up racing bikes. So I did a lot of cycling racing. And then I came to running really super late. Ironically, I didn't start running until I was 41. But then when I was cycling, I was using cliff bars is what it was. And I'm not... I'm not dissing on cliff bars. I'm not dissing on any food here. I just want people to realize this. Yeah, For maybe my... one day they'll sponsor the podcast. So we have to be uh we have to be in good graces. No. <laughs> there you go. Maybe the oh, oh. insider knowledge there. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm not no. I'm okay. We have no, I'm not... Uh, no intent for any of that yet. <laughs> okay. I'm not dissing it. I mean they're no, they're I'm good. They're they they taste good and stuff. But for me, when I was cycling, if I was my again, my stomach would shut down and those cliff bars sat like a brick in my mm -hmm. stomach. And I was like, oh, this is not good. Not good. I also discovered during that time that eating eggs before a bike race was a bad idea. Not yeah, a good idea. I mean, I could probably guess that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that at that time. Yeah, again, protein yeah. before you do a hard effort, not a good idea. Again, stomach kind of shuts down, yeah. doesn't want to digest the it. Yolk, the fat, it slows down digestion. It sits in the gut a little longer. So yeah, that's not a, yeah. not a great combo. Yeah. I did also, a lot of people will ask me, what do I eat before I run? You know, what, what's my go-to oatmeal? Mm, oatmeal. Yep. I use low sugar oatmeal. It's great. It, it fuels me. It didn't fuel me quite enough. This last run, I ran 17, 18, uh, this past Saturday and I got hungry. I, I mean, that's mm. the reason I stopped. I was hungry I, and I didn't feel like eating another gel. Cause I knew that wasn't going to tied me over. It was just going to make yeah. me angry. Oatmeal is my go-to for before. And then I use gels during, but I'm going to be trying, I need to find something that I can eat. Like, even if it's just like a piece of toast, that's cold that I can do during a run. And how, how long before your run is your oatmeal? 
feel? Gen- generally speaking, I try to get it in about 30 to 45 minutes before. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, side stitches are a real thing. People do get side stitches. And that is, again, learning about your timing, learning about what you're eating. I've never had a side stitch with oatmeal. And this is all so. about um, like the fuel requirements and times is all about what your training is. For example, mm-hmm. you get a lot of questions from the 5 a.m. CrossFitter that says, hey, I go to the gym at 5 a.m. What should I eat before? And a lot of times I say, hey, maybe nothing because you might be fueled the day before. And for you to utilize that energy, you're going to have to wake up even earlier. So now you're affecting sleep. And I'm like, I'm, you know, speaking of crazy, I'm a crazy person with like how many nuances I try to think about with each question that pops up. So, you know, textbook might be a little bit before, but if you're waking up at, or if you have to wake up at 4 a.m. to fuel a CrossFit workout, as long as you eat the night before a decent meal, you might be pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I really, plenty of people run fasted. They will, I wouldn't recommend doing a long run fasted. Like a 5k or something like that. 5k is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 5k is totally fine. The majority of what is fueling your run glycogen stores is really the bulk of what we're talking about here. The glycogen is what's fueling your ability to do the sport and your glycogen stores can take about 24 hours to get fully filled up mm-hmm. and fully, you know, stocked. So really the fuel that you are using for your run is from yesterday. It's already it's been stored. The, it's already been it. stored. Yeah. yeah. So if you start out with your tank nice and full from the day before, and you eat just a little something the morning of or nothing the morning of, again, it depends on how long you're going to be doing it. The fueling that you're taking in during your run isn't topping you off again. It's mm-hmm. just keeping you from going all the way to eat. Okay. It's just keeping yeah. you from completely tanking. And again, if you're not doing anything over 90 minutes, generally speaking, you have enough glycogen. If you've fueled correctly the day before, you have enough glycogen within your system. And that's why I'm glad you brought it up. The food as fuel thing. People tend to, when they say that a lot, I think it, it kind of creates this bias that when you eat, you get fuel. And it's not like I I use this example a lot. It's not like sticking a battery in the back of a a kid's toy and it just goes, it Mm -hmm. digestion takes a very long time. It does. And, and you don't want to be digesting something super heavy the night before you do something endurance wise right. stick with people that are saying the the lunch the day before a big event is like the meal you should really uh, pack it in. Yeah. And ideally, you know, focus more on a little bit more carbs. You still want your proteins, but stick with maybe something that's a little bit easier to digest, such as chicken, as opposed to steak. My, mm-hmm. my favorite pre-race meal is actually really simple noodles with chicken and a salad. That's my favorite pre-race meal. Yeah. And that's good. You, and that's like awesome. You know, what's right for you. And that Mm -hmm. again is like, you got to play personal food detective and figure out what's best for you because trial and error based on, you know, the bacteria in our gut and our history with eating, like you don't know what might happen with, like, I might not react well to that exact meal, but you, it's, you've figured it out. It's awesome. I always encourage, so as a running coach, I always have, I put in like two or three days before an event, particularly an endurance event, I will put in, write your race plan. And part of writing your race plan is what are you going to eat 
Friday and Saturday. Let's write it down and really dial it in and make sure that it's the right kind of foods. And I also say on the Monday of race week, I always say, do not change anything. Right. Don't change anything this week. No, no <laughs> new foods, no, nothing special. Let's just keep it. So simple. everyone should plan their day is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you're going to be doing a race, I highly encourage you to write out a race plan. Even if it's, um, uh, you know, not like my race plans tend to be a little bit more complex because I will go through, um, like I'm, I'm, I need to pull up a video of the New York city marathon. So I know, you know, roughly where turns are and things like that. So I can write my race plan appropriate to what it is that I'm going to be doing. And I, I will, okay, by this point, I need to have taken in this much fuel. And Mm -hmm. at this point, I will need to have, you know, had this much water to drink and things like that. It's smart. I mean, like, planning just increases the chances of success. That's why I'm so big at on it. Like when someone says, Oh, I can't hit my macros, or I can't hit my calories, or I can't do this. And you ask, are you planning your day ahead of time? And they might say yes. And then you're like, wait a minute, let's make sure we know what planning means. To me, planning yeah. means opening opening up your food tracker and typing out or typing in what you're going, going to eat the next day. And if you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, well, I don't want chicken for dinner, then you find something that is similar macros that you can replace it with. And just yeah. doing that makes success so much easier. And I know I'm annoying about it. I always joke, like people know me for the person that just tells everyone to plan their day. It's because many people's challenges are due to not planning. It's one of those, if you spend time up front, you will save time later. It really, it it is one of those things. And it it takes a while to get into the rhythm of it. This is where I'm using the 333 method. We're going a little bit more into nutrition, general kind of stuff here as opposed to endurance. I always encourage people who are new, let's start with the 333 method because it's simple. These are simple, non-complex foods. Do you have to eat this way forever? No, you do not. But it's like math. It's like basic math. You cannot move to trigonometry until you understand basic algebra. And we're not even taking basic algebra with a 333. We're talking addition and subtraction. Oh, it's yeah. It makes it really simple for everyone. It makes it so, and it makes it so scalable. That's the thing. And if you pre-plan the night before, starting first with your protein, protein with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you've got your proteins nailed. That's going to take down your fats and possibly your carbohydrates as well, Mm -hmm. because most proteins have fats associated with them. So now you're not running into that situation of, oh my God, I have 20 grams of protein that I need to eat and no fat, I guess I'm eating, you know, 200 grams of egg whites. Right. <laughs> if you, plan it, you, you realize this ahead of time and you just adjust portions up or down. It's exactly. That yep. It's, it's that, that simple. simple. That's why I'm big on like not having too many of these complicated recipes, because if you adjust that recipe up or down, all hell breaks loose with your macros. Yep. If you adjust chicken up or down to get more or less protein, it doesn't really affect that much. And if it yep. does, you maybe just add a little bit of olive oil to another meal. Exactly. And, and actually what crash when, course planning. When right? I started back up with Nick, I went back to 333. Unfortunately, one of my threes is M&Ms. So okay. I'm, I'm struggling with my <laughs> M&M addiction. I'm sorry, but Nick. You're kind of advanced at this point. You could have like the 334. And for, yeah, for and anyone I, that's um, not, not understanding what the 333 is, Um, If you're a member, I'm going to reduce your carbs by 36 because this was an opening guide and you should know this. 
But if you don't, you could hop into the university and search it. But in short, it's designing most of your meals around uh, either three proteins, three fats, and three carbs. And with those combinations, you can create thousands of different meals. So for example, it might be my proteins might be chicken breast, egg whites, and pork tenderloin. So most of the proteins I eat, that's what I'm going to use. The carbs could be uh, oatmeal, potatoes, and maybe green vegetables. And I tell know, everybody, I tell yeah. everybody fresh fruits and vegetables has to be one of your carbs. Yeah, that could be one. Like it's not going to be strawberries or blueberries. Like you could count that as one. Yeah. Uh, the fats, similar. Maybe you want nuts, olive oil, avocado. So with yeah. these foods, it's just your framework. It makes the math and everything so much easy, uh, easier. It limits the variables. And like Karen said, uh, and I mentioned this on a podcast with a friend that just aired yesterday, um, which won't make sense now because this is going to air in another two weeks or so. Um, but a podcast with my industry buddy, Brad, I said, this is like second grade math, right? When you limit variables, it's like second grade math. Yep. Some people that want to have all these complicated casseroles and recipes, it's like doing trigonometry on day one. You don't want to yeah. do that. You just want to make it easier for yourself. Yeah. So. And when you are have a training. So going back to endurance, going back to sport, when you have a training load where you are barely able to, and I will tell you training for some of these crazy things, you sometimes don't have the, the time to be thinking about, Oh my God, what am I going to make? But if you always have ground beef, shredded chicken, eggs and egg whites, and you always have fresh fruits and vegetables, rice and tortillas, guacamole, avocado, mayonnaise and butter. Hello. Welcome to my three, three, three. Your foundation is, is there. It's there. And I can mix and match whatever I need. And that's enough variety that I could, you know, spice spices, make a world of difference. Spices, and, sauces, cooking methods. That's yeah. your variety. And laughing cow oh. cheese wedges. Oh yeah. Those are good. We put those on, <laughs> we call it food glue. We put that shit on everything. You could put those on rice cakes, which is funny oh. because I feel like rice, like a couple of years ago in the stronger you world, rice cakes were much more popular than they are now. I, I feel love like rice they're, cakes. They're, they're great. I ate, I ate like five one time while we were watching TV and Krista almost divorced me. I just, it was just crunch, crunch, crunch for like a half hour. That's actually a really <laughs> interesting idea. I wonder if I could do a rice cake during my run. Probably flavored styrofoam it's delicious it's delicious those caramel <laughs> ones yum and actually jess bachman turned me on to marshmallows mm, like pure I was sugar, like, right? oh that's brilliant and so a lot of people want to know do you when you're running do you take in your food all at once or do you sort of slow drip it either one is totally fine everybody has their own preference because digesting is slow drip yeah i'm a i prefer in done I'm, I'm through with it. Yep. And, and then I move on. Um, but like, if you prefer a slow drip, having a bag of those mini marshmallows. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's and just to be right clear, now. we're talking to endurance athletes, not, not just us, <laughs> us normal folk watching TV popping marshmallows. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> We're talking to those people who are regularly running or swimming yep, yep. or cycling or kayaking or rowing or whatever, you know, whatever it is that your endurance sport is. Like if you're doing more than 90 minutes of cardiovascular work, specific mm -hmm. cardiovascular, I don't include strength training in this. 
Impact right. cardiovascular. Different energy demands. It's again because you're not strength training for 90 minutes. You might exactly. just be in the gym for 90 minutes. So yeah. maybe you're strength training for 11 and a half. I will. I do sometimes if somebody is doing a endurance strength. Oh, that's hard to say. Endurance and strength back to back. I will have them fuel between yep. just a little bit, but for a 90 minute strength, I'm generally like, mm, you're going to be okay. Or if there's a break, like some people will do like a swim in the morning and then strength in the afternoon, or even a swim in the morning and then a cycle in the afternoon, it ends up being total more than 90 minutes, but you have a chance to get food in there between the two of them. Right. So you don't have to worry about that. This is 90 minutes consecutive. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting point too. A question we get a lot of times is, should I do endurance before strength training? And my answer is always based on who, who the person is and what their goal is. Someone who's training for endurance sports, they want to be uh, properly fueled and at their best for the endurance. So maybe they would do endurance first. Someone like me, if I want to be my strongest, I'm not going to do endurance first because that'll tax me too much on my squats or something. So mm -hmm. it really depends. And again, that's why this stuff like this fitness nutrition stuff is so complicated because it's so personalized and individualized, which is the same word. I'm not sure why I said both of them. Um, <laughs> you can't just say like, this is what you should do. Yeah. Like, it, everyone kind of wants that. I mean, I want it in certain areas of my life. I'm like, just tell me the answer, but not. Well, yeah. I mean, that's everybody wants. <laughs> just give me the answer. That's it. That's, and it's it, like it, what we're not like, we're the antithesis of those diets. Like, yeah. you know, or whatever. They're like, here, do this. And it's like, but keto, you're, you're telling people to do this without even knowing who they are. Yeah. And that's I get, I get wound up in some of these other Facebook groups when someone's like, I need to lose weight. What do I do? And you see people just say all this stuff. And it's like, you don't even know who this person is. Let's find out what they're doing now. Yeah. And then let's poke holes in that because we know the perception might be a little off. Let's challenge people's thinking around nutrition and direct them to what works for them not yeah. what worked for just you based on your lifestyle. Exactly. And I say that all the time to people. I'm like, listen, yeah. actually, this is one of the reasons why I became a running coach is because a lot of people were asking me, you know, I, I wrote a blog while I was training for my Ironman. And um, I had enough people reach out to me and say, how do I get started? How do I get, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You're inspiring me. And I was like, I should probably learn because I, I would always caveat it with, this is what works for me. Yep. This is what I did working with my coach. I always caveated that. But that's what inspired me to become a running coach is because I was like, there's enough people asking me. I feel like I, I'd like to have the science behind it to understand yeah. more. And then when I started to get into nutrition, I was like, okay, now I'm understanding the fueling piece of sport. Okay, I need to learn more. Yeah, it's that one-two punch. It's interesting oh, yeah. because people at, like if I wanted to become a better a better runner, maybe I would Google running programs. But that that's like a catch-all. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe it's good enough for you know the average of a thousand people, but maybe I'm one of those people that that program wouldn't really be good for. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I, you know, the, a lot of people ask me, what's the benefit of having a running coach specific to a running coach? And I think this is applicable to a nutrition coach as well. So you can Google running plan and you yeah. will get a thousand and one different types of running plans, all of which will get you to the start line. Absolutely. If you followed it, it will get you there and it'll be great. 
If you have absolutely no other variables within a 16 or 24 week cycle where you don't get sick, you don't have a vacation, your work goes perfectly, you get a great night's sleep and everything else is perfect in your life, you'll be fine and you'll get there and you'll have no problems. And I'm again, I'm not dissing, you know, Hal Higdon or Jeff Galloway or any of it because they have gotten a lot of people to the start line. The benefit of having a running coach, somebody who's looking very specifically individually at you, whether it's running or nutrition, I'm looking at what I'm seeing from you and I'm saying, oh, wow, something is off here. We need to adjust. If you get injured, okay, we can adapt and adjust or, hey, I'm going on vacation. Okay, let's flip this day for that day and make it work this way. And same with nutrition. Okay, you you get sick, particularly for endurance athletes, which we are prone to getting sick, just because we're kind of constantly run down, particularly towards the end of our training cycle. What can we do to optimize nutrition leading into this? What can we do to how can we adjust all the variables that are going on? That's my job to worry about. It's not figured out again to like crack the case, the the templated programs and nutrition programs. They don't they don't know what's going on in your life. Exactly. And when I set some of these macros, I always, you know, I, what I always say, okay, what do I know about the person on paper right now? I know their age. I know their height. I know their weight. I know their sex. And I know roughly their, their current activity level. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. So it's a starting point. And then from there we adjust and we adapt. Sometimes it's like nail on the head and boom, we're off to the oh, races. Yeah. The, the magic is, you know, sometimes it shows up like day one, like, and that's yeah. what, what's cool about experience is like, you're like, I've been there, done that. I'm going to, I'm going to nail this on the first try. But sometimes like things change. Maybe mm-hmm. someone actually had a typo on their form. Like yeah. we've had people with like, you know, we had someone that was like 5'11", but they had 6'11". They're getting a lot more food. I have had that before. Actually, somebody typed in, it came out as four, four, five, I think is what it was. Their height was four, five. And I was like, okay, so I just need to make sure. Yep. Is this correct? Because I'm going to be really adjusting things like, oh, no, no, no. I'm five, five. I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) So it's, this is, I'm going to encourage people. If you, if you're brand new and your coach has the option to have a conversation with them. Do it because yeah, we, just get, we, can oh, learn we get so much, so much yeah, information. Yeah. 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 I and I offer Zoom calls to all my members. Uh, you know, right from the beginning, I'm like, let's zoom. And if I see yeah, something that's coming up, I'm like, let's zoom. I have a bunch of endurance athletes that I'm working with right now that have some big events coming up that I'm like, we're gonna talk. Yeah, and before those your event. They might really benefit because there is a lot more personalization for that. Yeah. Group. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I had to say about endurance sport. I I love it. This is awesome. You're easy to talk to. It's really really fun. Um, Yeah, this is, I want to encourage more endurance athletes to get on our program. I want to encourage more general fat loss members to get moving, whether that's lifting weights, running, uh, if you can. Definitely going for walks. I have so many people who, so many people that I work with do the run, walk, run methodology. And they're like, oh, I'm not very fast. I'm not really a runner. I'm I'm like, dude, if you are towing the line at a race, you're a runner. Even if you're not towing the line at a race and you're out moving your body, you're an athlete. Own it. Oh yeah. Size does not determine athleticism. It really doesn't. If you are 
trying and doing and pushing and your heart rate is going up and you are, you're an athlete. Trust me. And it's like, it's like, I can't, like, I'm still squatting if I squat 200 pounds and I know someone that squats 400, like mm-hmm. the stimulus, the stimulus on my body is equivalent to the stimulus on their body. Exactly. They're just better and stronger right now. Yep. It doesn't matter. My body doesn't know these numbers. It just kind of knows the effort. And then it and that is actually something that I talk about a lot with my athletes about, about um, heart rate zones and, and how labored your breathing is. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing is that just because my zone three run is faster than your zone three run means it's easier for me. It's, it's more zone four that we really start talking. And I'm talking heart rate zone training here. Yeah. Um, a zone four threshold run or a threshold test is just as hard for me as it is for you, as it is for Kipchoge, as it is for, you know, Shana Flanagan that they suck. Threshold says suck for everybody. And I always tell people, I'm like, if you don't hate me by the end and you don't feel like throwing up, you've probably done it wrong. And that's why it's important to build that trust and that connection because then they'll hate you just a little bit less. They hate you just a little bit less. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right. But yeah, Karen, if if anyone wants to follow you, contact you, how, how can they do that? Yeah, well, you can always reach out to me um, through the Facebook group. Uh, I'm on the Facebook group. I'm also known as a sometime athlete. That is uh, the um, my my hashtag sometime athlete. That's me. Um, I have a web page as well. Uh, they can always reach out to me that way. And it's it's called a sometime athlete. That's the name of my business. And um, yeah, but Facebook is a great opportunity to reach out as well. Cool. So, Love it. This, this yeah. is awesome. I learned. Yeah. Some stuff. I, got I learned some stuff too. This is this is really fun. So, Karen, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Family, thank you as always. Get out and do something good for yourself. Yeah, get out there. Thanks. All, all. right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Stronger You Radio. For more information, please visit www.strongeru.com. Don't forget to tune in next week for more health and nutrition conversations with Stronger You.